We're getting into our series this morning on deeper and examining um, certain scriptures and really looking at what the word says around them, what they really mean, and just taking different perspective, perspectives on those. And today is, uh, is going to be a fun one. It's going to be a good one, hopefully a little challenging to all of us in here. And it's out of Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. And it says this, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Okay. Do not worry about your life. Church dismissed. Y'all can go. Have a great Sunday, and we'll see you here next week, right? I mean, that's it. This is, this is Jesus, y'all. Jesus talking to us. And he says this, much like picture a parent to a child. Do not worry about your life. Sounds a lot like, do not touch the stove, right? Or do not play out in the street. Why? Because those things could harm you and they are unnecessary things to do that could cause you harm. Unnecessary. A child does not have to touch the stove. It chooses to try and ch touch the stove, right? But it doesn't have to touch the stove. There's nothing in life that requires the child to touch the stove. But... Nonetheless, the child touches the stove, right? And so it's like Jesus is telling us, look, don't worry about your life. It is an unnecessary action that will cause you only pain. So don't do it. Yet for some reason, I don't know if it's arrogance, I don't know if it's stupidity, I don't know if it's a combination of both, but for some reason, we just can't wrap our brain around this command that Jesus gives us, by the way. Not, hey, you should try on Tuesdays. Let's just take it one day a week and not worry about life. Just, just do one day a week. Or have you, have you maybe, 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 maybe I can make a suggestion that you don't. No, he says, do not worry about your life. No excuse. All right? There's no caveat there except if things get really, really hard. Don't touch the stove. It's going to burn you. Don't worry about your life because all that's going to do is burn you. Instead, let me handle things. Let me do these things. And let's look back at what leads Jesus to say this in Matthew chapter 6. Let's go back just a few verses. We're just going to go back to chapter 19 here because there's a bigger matter at hand that we really need to talk about this morning. Because I can't just get up here and say, don't worry, y'all, you know, class dismissed. Aren't I a great preacher? And I just explain everything. We have to examine why. Why if Jesus, who died on the cross, rose from the dead, and is in heaven, and says out of his own mouth, do not worry, do we have such a hard time with that? Why do we have such a hard time with that? Well, if we go back to verse 19, it says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And verse 21 is the big one here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, is where your heart is. All right? And if Jesus is our treasure, right? If he really is that thing that we seek, if we're Nick Cage in a national treasure, and we're undoing all the clues, seeking out Jesus, then he is in our heart. And therefore, if he is in our heart, then we are then seeking out the things that he says over us, one of which is, do not worry about your life. But 
If something else is our treasure, then that's going to be in our heart as well. And out of our heart, our mouth speaks. And so what we need to understand is in order to get to the place where Jesus says, do not worry about your life, we have to first examine what is in our heart. We can't just make this conscious decision in this moment right here at Beach's Chapel on this Sunday morning. Okay, I'm not going to worry anymore. Pastor James said so. That's going to last you to the parking lot. Maybe even before that. You're going to start worrying that I'm talking too long. All right? Do not worry. What is in our heart? Let's keep reading. Verse 22 of Matthew chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Here it is. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay, let me just say this really quick. Don't, don't lose me here. This is, today is not about money. We're not talking about money today. But what I do want to examine is what it, are we serving? What is our treasure? Because I think Jesus really could say here, you cannot serve both God and anything else. You can't serve anything else. It's God or it's me. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. The, singular, only. That's it. And so maybe your treasure is money. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's status. Maybe it's anything else that the world has to offer, and it's not God. And all of those things will cause you to worry. The pursuit and the love of money will cause you to worry. The pursuit of finding Jesus in another person and substituting Jesus for another person will cause you to worry, will cause you stress and anxiety because in whatever it is, fill in the blank, you are putting what only Jesus can do on something else. And that something else ain't Jesus. And it will then cause you to worry because it's trying to do a job that it can't do. Especially, I'll, I'll leave it on that. Hmm. Then that leads us to what Jesus says again in 25, which we've already read and we're going to read again. Therefore, I tell you, okay, you can't serve, you can't serve two masters. You can't. Therefore, in other words, when you serve me, when I'm your treasure, when I'm your pursuit, when I'm your passion, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So here it is, y'all. Here it is, Jesus saying, what, do you, what is even the point? What is even the point? You think by putting your hand on the stove, it's going to add an hour to your life? Do you think by worrying about these things, it's going to add any time to your life? No, no. And, he, and I love that he points out Solomon, who was one of the most renowned kings, richest kings in all of the Bible. And he says with everything that Solomon had, he wasn't even dressed. He couldn't even afford the nicest clothes that I clothed the flowers in the fields with. Flowers, by the way, that a lot of people aren't ever even going to see. 
but I clothe those flowers more than the king of Israel who's got all the money in the world. And it doesn't even compare. What does he say? He's saying, whatever man can do, the most that man can come up with, the nicest outfit, whatever it might be, the fanciest car, the best job, the best relationship is nothing compared to even the flowers that many people aren't even going to see. So why then is your treasure all those other things? Why isn't your treasure me? I will take care of you. And there's this, I mean, we say this to kids all the time, and, but it's true with adults as well. If we take this step with Jesus, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and now I'm homeless and I have nothing, right? Like we are just suddenly going to give up every single thing that we own or that we have or even who we are because we're now pursuing Jesus. And that is just not the truth. That is just not that he will call you to give things up as he should because the things that he's calling us to give up are no good for us anyway. And I'm believing and hoping and praying that we're all going through that right now. I hope that I really pray that there is a church-wide, not just Beaches Chapel, but church-wide cleansing going on of that needs to get out of your life and that needs to get out of your life and that needs to get out of your life. And none of us are an exception. Let's not be so arrogant to look at someone else and say that they need to get that out of their life without looking at ourselves first. But there is a cleansing going on and God will remove those things. But removing things that aren't, are, are unhealthy for us is not torture. That's God being a good God. That's him saying, don't worry, I got you. And I'm gonna clothe you. I had two different students this week at different times tell me that I had a nice fit. Anyone know what that means? Me neither. <laughs> we have one in the back. Oh, of course, a junior in high school <laughs> knows what it means. Apparently, it means a nice outfit, all right? Because teenagers can't be bothered with saying two-syllable words, right? <laughs> Ain't got the time for that. Got to get on TikTok. I'll say fit, but not outfit, all right? And it felt good in the moment. All right, this, this person that's like more than half my age doesn't think I dress like a dork, all right? But it didn't add anything to me. It didn't make me closer to Jesus. It made me feel cool for a second and have a story to tell Jesse when I got home. <sighs> that was it. That was, that was the, the, the most of it right there. But we obsess over all these things. We want those compliments. We want those things from other people. And that becomes our treasure is affirmation from other people. Who, who might not be walking with Jesus in the first place, when he's saying, let me be your treasure. Let me be your treasure. But we go down these roads of trying to please other people, and that leads to worry and stress because we can't keep up all of a sudden. And those compliments that we wanted so bad are suddenly drying up. Jesus says, pursue me. Oh, I got some things I can say over you every single day, and they will never get old. And they're forever and always, and they're written down. You can read them whenever you want. But you have to make me your treasure, not some other thing or some other person. It ain't going to work. It's not going to work. Verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Man, that's a, that's a burn. <laughs> that's, that's refining right there. You of little faith. You know what that is? That's us as children saying to our Heavenly Father, I don't think you're up for the task. I don't know if your, your kid has ever said that to you. Like, how are you going to do that? You can't do that when you absolutely can. When you're, it hurts. It's not fun for your child to think you are incapable of something that you can absolutely do. That's not a good feeling. 
Do we really, sitting in this room, watching online this morning, think that God is incapable of anything? That includes your life. That includes you. He is more than capable. We have to get in faith. And here's the thing. When we make Jesus our treasure, when we make him our pursuit, those doubts, they start going away because we see him in our lives. We see him flooding our heart and infiltrating all these worries that we used to have. But we have to give him the opportunity. We have to pursue him. I want to look in a, in a, in a little different way at this verse. And I want to look in, in Romans chapter 10. And Paul is addressing some, uh, the Romans here. And, and let's, let's look at what he's saying. And it applies so much to what we're talking about this morning. And it's out of Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 1. It says, Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that you may be saved. There it is. Saved from hell? Absolutely. Saved from ourselves. Saved from us trying to be our own savior and allowing Jesus to be that for us. Verse 2, For I can testify about them that they are, listen to this, zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Christ is the culmination of the law, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. So what are we why am I bringing this up? Because we can be zealous for God during church on Sunday mornings. And it feels really good. But if we don't back that zeal up with the knowledge of what the word of God says, it's, going to, it's not going to last. I guarantee you, as we finish today, sadly, I, sh I shouldn't say that, I'm sorry. I'm not gonna say that. Father, uh, forgive me. I was gonna just speak something out that I don't want to be true. But we can struggle. We can struggle with a word like this not lasting till we get home. And it's just out the window. Y'all, let's not do that. Let's get in the word. Let's get in the word and understand what God, our heavenly father, says about us. Let's just not be zealous on Sunday mornings, which is great, but let's back that with the knowledge of God's word in our life. How much more, how much more during the week, if we are zealous for God's word, are we then going to be zealous in church on Sundays? Y'all, you can't, you can't look at me to do it all. You can't look at our band and our staff to create zeal for you. I'm sorry. We're here to preach and to lead in worship and walk with you. But the zeal for you comes by opening the word of God and getting in it and knowing it because it is good. And as we do and those promises become real for each one of us, guess what? Jesus saying, don't worry about your life is not going to se seem like some far-fetched idea that there's no way we can do it. We can say, of course, Jesus, because I know you now. I'm founded in your word. We have to be hungry for the word now, y'all, more than ever in this world that we are living in. We have got to be hungry for it. You know, there's been a, you know, I mentioned this already, I think, a couple times today, but there's been, there's been a refining going on here at Beaches Chapel. We are being refined by fire. You know, I, I wish it was unicorns and rainbows that we were refined by, but it's not. It's by fire. But you know what? The word of God is not flammable, and it stays through it all. It stays through it all. And as we are refined, we have this word of God to go to that is going to walk us through this season that we are in. And the exciting thing is about being refined is that there's something on the other side for that. God's not just refining us by fire so that we can be like we were last year or even six weeks ago or whatever. 
There is something new. There is, there is a new wine that is going to be poured out on this place. Amen? There is a new wine. But we have to make Jesus our treasure. We have to pursue him and not put that on anybody else or any other thing. Verse 5, as we continue on in Romans 10. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. He says that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven, that is bring Christ down, or who will descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? Check this out. The word is near you. The word is near you. It is in your mouth and it is in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. In other words, what he's saying here is faith does not say, well, who's going to do that? Who's going to go up to heaven? Who's going to save me? Who's going to do all these questions? I don't know. Faith says the word is near me. And who is the word? Jesus. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. And the word is near us. The word has the answers. So we don't have to look around and say, who's going to do this? I don't know what's going to happen. The word is near us. The word is in us. The word is out of our mouths. That is how we do not worry about our lives. Verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There it is. It's the gospel message right here. You believe in Jesus, you receive him, you will not be put to shame. You will not be put to shame. Jesus is capable. He's already done it. And all we have to do is believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord and profess it with our mouth. And we are saved. We're saved from worry. We're saved from stress. We're saved from anxiety and fear and everything that, that, that comes from worry. Do you realize what worry, how it's a catalyst in our lives to all these other things? If worry in and of itself was just it, that would be one thing. But it's not. Worry leads to all sorts of other issues. God says, believe in me. Believe in me and you'll be saved. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But here's the reality of it. That sounds great. But as we keep reading in this chapter, Paul writes this. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Not everyone believed. They saw it or they heard it. They said, nope, that's not for me. I'm going to continue on being my own savior or finding other things to be my savior. Do you believe? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Hearing about Jesus, reading about Jesus, letting your faith grow then. But I could stand up here for two hours, spend two months trying to come up with a perfect sermon about not worrying about your life. And it might even sound pretty good in the moment. But faith comes by the word. And getting in the word on our own as well as during church, as well as in Bible studies and Sunday school classes. 
But as much as God wants to say things to us corporately, he is dying to say things to you individually. Things that are sweet to you, where you can leave in that moment going, wow, Lord, you just spoke to me. But we have to get in the word. We have to make him our treasure and make him our pursuit. So this brings us all the way back to Matthew now, chapter 6. Starting in verse 31. So do not, do not worry, he says again. What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Listen, y'all. This Jesus is saying this during the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, the most often studied sermon that Jesus gives. He takes a moment in this incredible sermon to three times tell us, do not worry. Do you think it's important? Do you think he's trying to get a message across to us? Do not worry. So what does that mean? Do we just sit back, put our feet up, and watch TV all day? No. He tells us what to do instead of worrying. He says, seek first the kingdom. Seek me first. And then all these things will be added unto you. You see, he gives us the alternative. And what that tells me is if you're spending your time worrying, you're not spending your time seeking the kingdom. You're, if you're seeking, your time, uh, seeking the kingdom, then you're not worrying. Those two things don't coexist. They, they are not interrelated. They are two very specific and individual things. We seek after the kingdom and all these things are added to us. The clothes, the food, the whatever it might be. But if we seek after anything else, we get worry and panic and anxiety and stress. So Jesus says, don't do that. Don't worry. Seek after me and you won't worry. See how that works? See how amazing that is? How good is our Savior? How good is Jesus? That if we just believe in our heart and profess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved from worry, from ourselves. He's done it. He did it on the cross. When he took our sins on him and paid the price for us as our Savior, he took worry away. He took worry away. And he said, I've got this. You're mine now. You're my children. And as God is your heavenly Father, he is capable so stop touching the stove. It's just going to burn you. And it is a wasted action. Worry is a wasted action that will only burn us. Just like touching a stove. Just like playing out in the streets. Let's have the band come on up. And we're going to um, wrap up this morning with a little bit of worship. But let's just be real honest, if we can, this morning. I don't, you know, we don't put on airs here. We're not trying to be anything. We're not. We're a room full of a bunch of sinners that need Jesus, right? Is there anybody in here, if you could just raise your hand this morning, be bold with me, be honest. Have any of us in here just spent, frankly, just too much time worrying lately? We've just been giving it way too much time. Keep your hands in the air. It's okay. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I want to pray this morning for all of us. And any of those at home that are raising your hand in your room by yourself or with your spouse or whomever, we have been spending way too much time worrying. When Jesus specifically tells us, 
do not worry about your life. And I know it can be hard. And it's going to be a moment-by-moment thing for a lot of us. But as we sang earlier, the power of the name of Jesus breaks chains. And it breaks the chain of worry in our life as well. So when you start to go down that road of worry, I just want to encourage you. If you can't find the words, just say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, you told me not to worry. I'm not going to worry about this. I give it to you. In those moments, and in the in-betweens, let's make Jesus our treasure. Let's make Jesus our pursuit. Let's build our faith by getting in the Word and remembering that the Word is near us all the time. Jesus' Word tells us not to worry. Tells us that He has a plan for us. Tells us that He's our healer and our protector and our provider in every situation. The world tells us we have to be all those things. Or that you're, oh well, you're done. Let's get in the Word. Make it, make it new. Make that a goal this week. If you haven't been in the Word, get in the Word with your spouse. You can get on, you can get on version, the Bible app on your phone. They have a great daily devotional. You can get on that. And there's a verse for the day every single day. I'm going to walk you through a devotional. You have five minutes, y'all. You can do that. But it is worth it to wake up early to not walk in worry. Wow, I should tag that. Wake up early. Don't walk in worry. Let's pray. Father, you saw the hands of those that say they're spending too much time worrying. They're giving, they're giving time that be, should be spent with you or doing other things. They're giving it to worry. God, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would break that stronghold, break that power over those of us, Father, that are just worried about all sorts of different things, whether it's the state of the world or health or finances or relationships, God. Help us, Father, to obey your commandment. God, we don't want to touch the stove anymore. We're tired of getting burned by worry. God, I pray that we would be a people that pursue you, that seek first your kingdom. God, that's not a, this is all I know to do, but it's exactly what we're supposed to do. It is the answer. It's not what we do when nothing else has worked. It's the only answer, Father, that in in, in our lives, in every season, every situation, that we would seek you first, God. We would seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these things will be added unto us, Lord. It's your kingdom that we're after. It's you, Lord God. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for giving worry too much time. Free us of those things right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, break those chains right now in Jesus' name. Break those powers of anxiety, stress, worry, panic, fear, Lord. God, you've already won. We are yours. Help us return to you and you are treasure. To pursue you, to pursue your kingdom, to serve you, God, not to serve worry. Not to serve worry, Lord. Forgive us, Father. God, Lord. Teach us to pursue you. 
together as a church in our homes. Break those chains right now in Jesus' name. Speak for those, I just pray over those that are watching online right now. God, in their homes, wherever they might be, God, I lift those people up to you right now specifically. I just pray, Lord, they would not worry. Whatever they're walking through at home, they would not worry. They would turn to you. You would take those, take those things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for freedom in this place. Thank you for freedom, Father.